0: Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and I'm here to connect you with people and resources to remind you you're not alone. In this episode, number 219, I am chatting with an author who influenced me when I was a young mom, continues to speak wisdom today, Elise Fitzpatrick.
1: Isn't it a good thing to want your kids to love Christ? Well, of course it is course it's a good thing to want your kids to love Christ. Of course it's a good thing to want your kids to not have the kind of debauched history that I've got. But see, that motivation gets all mixed up in all of these other motivations, which is my only identity comes out of how well my kids perform. And when that happens, Then I'm going to, you know, first of all, I will be at the mercy of their behavior, which is never a good place to be.
0: Yeah, I feel that one (laughs) at least completely describes where I have spent most of my motherhood, finding my identity and how my kids behave and beating myself up if they are bad and feeling really great about myself if they're good. This conversation, y'all, it's going to rock your world. First of all with the first half of it we're answering your questions from Instagram that you posted for the live event. Well, a few of them we answer like uh, blended family questions, questions about helping foster long-term sibling relationships, what if you and your husband parent differently? And then we get into some great stuff on the idols of motherhood and where we find our true identity. So good. If you don't know what I mean by idols, do not worry, we will talk about that in this episode. But if you're someone who's finding situations are bringing up a lot of fear and anger and dismay and you didn't know was there, I would highly suggest checking out this event Elise is doing. Go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash idols and you'll find more information about the Vertical Women's Conference where Elise will be talking about idols of the heart. And thanks to the hub, you can purchase a streaming license that will let you watch it on replay as an individual, a group, or as a church. All the way up until December 31st, 2018. Go check it out at don'tmomalone.com forward slash idols. All right, let's get to my chat with Elise. Here we go. Hey, Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is an, a conversation, actually, I've been wanting to have with you since I was a young mom, and you don't even know that. You don't even uh, know that. Your book, Give Him Grace, was the first time I read that as an option in parenting. Ah, uh huh. And I don't know if you've heard that a lot, or, I mean, you wrote that many years ago, but that was when I was a new mom, and my parents' generation weren't given a lot of grace options. Yep. So before we get into all of the things that you're doing that are so good for moms, and just women in general, and ministry, and preaching God's word, I would love for you to introduce uh, everyone who's listening to your family real quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I am married. I have been married for um. Well, yikes! I want to say forty-four <laughs> years. Oh, let me tell you what my husband, my husband Phil, always says. He always says when people say, when people ask, "How long have you been married?" He says, "Not long enough." Oh, and that's yeah, a that's answer. that's cute. It's sweet, but it's also because neither one of us can it's remember.
0: She's out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a cop out. So that's anyway, funny. um. Yeah, he and I have been married for about forty-four years, and um, we have three children. One of them, uh, James, we uh, I brought into the marriage um, because I had been pregnant, married, and divorced before I came to Christ, mm. and so um, James is our eldest, and he is married and has a son. Um, Gabriel. And uh, Jessica, with whom I co-wrote Give Them Grace, Jessica Thompson is married, and she has three children, the eldest of whom is in college. And uh, she's married to Cody, and they live very close by. We all live within about 10 minutes of each other, because we're sort of like the Borg on Star Trek. It's like <laughs> resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. So anyway, they, are, they live close by, and uh, she's a writer and uh, public speaker. And Joel, our youngest, has a, uh, is ordained in the PCA, and he's married and has two kids, Eowyn and Colin. And we all live in Southern California, um, which basically means everything is about being outdoors and blue skies and wonderful weather. And if it's not wonderful weather, then we're complaining all day. <laughs> the June sort of gloom, thing.
0: June gloom, Oh, cloud, right? exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know about yeah. June gloom, yeah. do you? Yeah, we have some family. My, my mother, my mother-in-law, she grew up in Pasadena. So oh, all right. we've gone down there a bit, but yeah, so many questions popped into my head okay, because I just... Reached out to all of my listeners to get their help for a live event coming up and asked for their questions in parenting. <laughs> and uh, I can't floodgates. I opened, I mean, 10 pages single spaced of questions from people. Oh. And several were about assimilating a child from a previous marriage into a new marriage. And then how to foster sibling relationships so that you can be friends with them into adulthood. So, I mean, I know that's not what you and I said we were going to talk about. But I kind of am curious about those two things. One, James' biological father, is he still in the picture? And did you have to negotiate any parenting there? Okay.
1: No, he is not still in the picture. And no, we didn't have to negotiate any parenting with him. He was out of the picture really fairly quickly. James knows him. James uh, sought him out and um, uh, spent a little time with him, enough time with him to know he didn't want to spend time with him. Interesting. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, whenever you're trying to blend, and I think particularly as a mother, whenever you're trying to bring a child into a marriage and and maybe, you know, you've got other kids or you'll soon have other kids, it's a very difficult proposition because as a mother – you're always looking to protect that child you're bringing in. And so I would say that there probably was some conflict, not a lot, but some conflict between Phil and I about James, because I wanted to be sure that James was either uh, being, being welcomed as welcomed as I would want him to be. And I don't want to, I don't want to say in any way that Phil wasn't welcoming. If anybody knows Phil, they know he's the most welcoming person on the planet. Right. I mean, Phil carries on conversations with people in grocery stores.
0: So (laughs) (laughs) So it's just an overprotection comes out of you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that was that. Um, Phil uh, did adopt James uh, as mm. an adult. We wanted to get that done, and we had for wanted to do that for a long time. So uh, James really looks at Phil as his as his true father. Um, but you know, there there is difficulty there, and I and I can't say that there won't be difficulty there. Mm. Um, you know, we live in a sin cursed world, and no matter how it is that you're bringing a uh, a child from a different marriage or relationship into another marriage, there's going to be conflict there. And I'm not saying that that's like, well, God is punishing you or something. That's just how it is. And, you know, we live in this sin-cursed world, and, and there will be conflict, and that's one of the places that it will be. But, you know, as with all conflict, the very best thing to do is to talk and try to express what your concerns are and as long as there isn't abuse or something going on, you know, just uh put it all also in in the arms of Jesus and the Lord the Lord will um the Lord the Lord will sustain you. I,
0: I think it it also gets to what we will be talking about, those idols of our heart that kind of right. pop up in these difficult situations mm-hmm. where we try to grasp for control and we fear the future. Um, so then the next question is, how did you, I know you said it's it's like Star Trek, but how did you foster that relationship when your kids were young that enabled them to desire, one, to live near you, two, you guys have a great podcast that you all produce oh. together. Anytime you work together as a family, even if it's hard or there's bad days, that says a lot for a family.
1: Well, (laughs) again, I'll refer you back to point A, which is we live in Southern California. Right, right, right,
0: right. right. So the pull is easier than Minnesota or something like that. Yes, exactly,
1: exactly. So the pull is easier. But aside from that, you know, we we always functioned very much like a unit. And I don't want to say – Yeah, I don't – that's not – that sounds weird. But, you know, when they were teenagers, of course, they didn't want to have anything to do with Phil and I. And, (laughs) I mean, that's fairly normal. They were finding their own way. But, you know, we insisted that once a week they would be home Hmm. uh, for dinner. So we had a family night, which honestly, every single week at the end of it, I said, I'm never doing this again. You guys are driving (laughs) me insane. (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, we would, uh, they, they had to be home. They couldn't make any plans. You know, I think it was Wednesday night. And so we would go out to dinner and then we would go someplace like, let's say, um, you know, a place to play miniature golf or video games or something like that. Um, and, and we would go do that. And the two, it was particularly Jay, uh, Jessica and Joel, which if you listen to the podcast, you know, how they play off each other. And they, you know, we would go play miniature golf and they'd be throwing the golf ball everywhere and all of that. I mean, just acting really bad. Mm -hmm. And, and the problem is that when they acted bad, and you can see this on the podcast as well, I think they're funny. So,
0: so it doesn't, it doesn't affect you like it does for a lot of us. (laughs) Like I get identity. I, I, I struggle when they're fighting publicly. I'm embarrassed and it's my idol of wanting to please other people and worrying too much about what other people think. So it like uh, paralyzes me and I start clenching down on them and I snuff out all fun. (laughs) So you enjoyed it. You could laugh.
1: Well, um, they didn't, they fought, what they would do is act like idiots (laughs) And, and, and honestly that was embarrassing. Um, but you know, um, and the other problem of course was that my husband did think they were funny. He still does. Uh, he probably thinks they're funnier than I do. And, um, yeah, so it was, um, I, so there was that, there was a continual, you know, let's do fun things together. And that really, again, came out of my husband's upbringing. His mother made a party out of everything. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, she would, she would have hot dogs in the refrigerator and she would say, we're going to have a hot dog party. I mean, everything was a party to her and he learned that from her. So I think my kids, I mean, we woke them up in the middle of the night to go see the first release, uh, the first showing of the empire strikes back. Hmm. So, you know, a, part of it, and I don't want to say this is all of it, but part of it is as a family, and again, this is particularly Phil, um, we had a lot of fun together. We, uh, all of their games, uh, you know, sports games and stuff like that, we were pretty committed to, to be at and to help them. and um, And then, of course, you know, we are Christians, so there was <laughs> – was uh, a, a really significant emphasis on being together in church.
0: Hmm.
1: And, um, and again, I don't want to say that that was me uh, being really gracious and wonderful. When you read Give Them Grace, that's not me. I mean, in the sense that I wrote it now. um Yes, that is that is me now, but it wasn't me then. Hmm. And so for me, I was, I was most intent that my children were not going to grow up and live the kind of life that I had lived, the sort of debauched life before I came to Christ. Um, so I was really the disciplinarian, and my husband was really the person that gave them grace, and that's a really good thing. Um, in the sense that I think it's a really wonderful thing for a father to be the to, to surprise kids with grace all the time, whereas that was not what I did. But Phil did. So you know, I guess a couple of things. you know, um, we had a lot of fun. We did a lot of stuff together, and we were very, very uh, intent on uh, having, them, having them with us in church.
0: Hmm. So you said that wasn't you, and yeah. you were more driven to mm-hmm. less grace, and now yeah. now God's changed that for you. What was that transition like? What caused that switch in you? Yeah. Um,
1: actually, there was several people in my life who um, began to talk to me about the fact that I wasn't really seeing the gospel. hmm. And I mean, this was, it, I, I got saved in 1973. So this was maybe 10 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago. Um, and they were saying to me, well, you don't really understand grace. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you questioning my uh-huh. salvation? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, if if you had asked me, do I believe that I am uh, saved by God's grace alone and not my works, I would have said yes. But quite honestly, that's not how it played out in my life. Hmm. Um, I knew that uh, the love of God was given to me through Christ, but I really thought I had to do things to sustain it. Now, there was that, but then there was also this sort of dream, which, which can be a very destructive sort of a thing. But then there was also this drivenness within me that I was going to prove that I wasn't the person that I used to be. And, uh, and the way I was going to prove that was by how c- good my kids were. Mm. And that was, that really was idolatry. Mm. I mean, I, that meant more to me than anything. And so if, my kids were uh disrespectful or disobedient um if i couldn't feel proud about how they were behaving and um then th- there would be hell to pay yeah and the reason was i did i want my kids did i want to help them not to uh fall into the folly i had fallen into yeah of course but, on the other hand, I wanted to be able to approve of myself, and in that, I was using my kids' disobedience or excuse me obedience or uh, their life. I was uh, their professions of faith. I was using that to build my identity instead of using the righteousness of Christ. and whenever you use anyone and particularly your children. But whenever you use anyone or anything to try to m- build your identity, it's a fig leaf to cover you up, to make you, um, to make you okay. Whenever you use people like that, it, it's really toxic for the relationship. So honestly, I, I've always thought that had it not been for Phil, And, uh, his mitigating influence on my continual demandingness of my kids, um, if it had not been for him, um, I mean, my kids would probably hate me today
0: Hmm.
1: because, you know, he was, he was always there sort of as a voice of grace to, to my, to our kids,
0: how did that look? Because I can picture it in my own. That's very similar to how our family works and even my family growing up. Uh, and it's hard to manage in the moment um, if I'm coming down strong or I know people that listen say this when your parents are different in the discipline approach. Did yeah. it feel like he was undercutting what you were doing at the time? I mean, I know now you look back and you're thankful for it, but in the moment, did it feel like you had to be extra strict because he was so fun? Like you polarized? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody does that in in all our relationships, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So we all do that. We, You know, if one person is really lax, then the other person will respond by being that much firmer. And then that makes the other person even more lax. That definitely happened. But then the one thing that really kept us together was that sort of mutual faith that we had. So I knew that and Phil knew that even though we were sort of coming at things differently, um, uh, there was one thing that was holding us together. And, um, and that one thing was Christ.
0: So would he, would he correct you in front of the kids or come to you later? Or how did it look where he layered grace on what you were doing?
1: Yeah. Um, we never did that. I mean, I can remember a couple of times when Phil would say to me, I don't know what you're talking about. You, you know, you should probably stop (laughs) (laughs)
0: like in front of the kids.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, honestly, in the decades that we were raising children, I can just remember a couple of times when he did that. But, yeah, we had conversation afterwards. And I think we did make it a – we did make it – because what we didn't want our kids to do was see that – I mean, was see that there was a great divide between us. And the divide was not there all the time. It was definitely there sometimes. And um, so we did talk, uh, you know, off screen. We did talk, uh, you know, and I would say, I think we should whatever. And and he would, you know, he would generally say, no, I think you're, you know, I think you're being, that's too much, Leash. You don't need to do that.
0: And kind of decrease the intensity. That's what I feel like whenever I'm like, we're failing, we've ruined our children, and I'm going on this little, like, spinning out of control. It even happened the other night, and my husband's like, I don't think we need to deal with that right now. (laughs) Like This is not the time. It's 10 p.m. We all need to go to bed. This is not going to be fixed in one moment. So that grace to move forward or kind of redirect and kind of put it in perspective what, of Christ has done for us, probably is what you're trying to say. Like that faith, you could come together and receive that—not correction, but redirection. Right, right, and
1: a definite redirection of you know you you really don't you don't need to you don't need to do this.
0: Hey y'all! I'm hopping in here to tell you an exciting new thing we are launching with the site. Since I'm a connector, I love connecting one gal with another gal who have a common story or connecting a young mom with a resource that's going to help make her day better. Well, in order to give me an outlet for that, we have created the Not Alone Community. And in this space, I am going to be able to help you all out a little bit better. Since we have been producing the podcast for over five years and have over 200 episodes, it's a little tricky sometimes to find the exact information you're looking for. So I'm going to help you out. Each month I'm going to have a theme and I'm going to find those podcast episodes that will help you in that specific topic. So, for example, in October, the theme is Not Alone and You're Overwhelmed. And I've gone back into the archives and I found all the episodes that are going to be on that topic. And then I've also found old, old articles that i would written on the site, back when I was a young mom, about overwhelm. I've even collected some books and different resources that are going to help you out. In addition, you're going to get access to some video interviews that I'm doing. I've already interviewed my good friend, Kay Wyma. She's the author of Not the Boss of Us, and we answered questions from podcast club leaders about overwhelm. Here's a little clip from that video. These questions that we, that come to mind when we think of overwhelm they are, are circumstantial, and, and what you're trying to do is root your identity it's like in the truth. It's like so helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And and there are practical things to help with soul health, but the first thing is, is to actually believe that the one who says, I love you, I see you, I know your name, I created you, that you actually are identified by that. And so many of these other things in life are descriptors, not definers. Scriptors, not definers. Another one. (laughs) Whoa, that. So as a Not Alone member, not only do you get access to past videos, but you also get invited to be a part of live video recordings if you're available. For example, October 9th at 9am Central Standard Time, I will be interviewing Sheila Walsh via via video and you can be a part of it and we'll be answering your questions on Not Alone and Shame. If you want to go check that out, go to DontMomAlone.com forward slash join. We're also going to be Launching some groups where you can connect with other moms that are boy moms and girl moms, single moms, moms of kids with special needs. Launching all those groups over at DontMomAlone.com forward slash join. Check out the Not Alone community. All right. Let's get back to my conversation with Elise. So this is being revealed. You're seeing your children as idols. Uh And you said that and I've said it. And the person listening might be like, "Idols aren't those little golden things that we see." Yeah, right. <laughs> so, what do you mean, idols for yeah. our our day and age? What does that have to do with us? So, right. how would you define that?
1: Well, you know, honestly, I, I'm 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 talking as a person now who is a grandmother and an empty nester, and I'm looking back on my life. Right and i can say all right i really can see that there are places where my kids were idols and and i think that it's helpful for moms and i'm imagining that mostly that's what i'm talking to here yeah look at the places in your life where you feel most afraid uh, most worried most angry uh-huh. uh, most afraid most worried most angry where you find yourself feeling sorry for yourself the most whenever you have those emotions. Um, It's a good thing to ask yourself the question, what is it that is right now, right here in my life that I think that's being threatened, um, that I'm afraid I'm not going to get or afraid I'm going to lose and to see if you can identify um, whatever that thing would be so like for a mom I'll, I'll give you an example uh joel our youngest who's now the ordained in the PCA <laughs> uh when he was 16 or 17 you know again we live in southern california so he was a surfer and he um he had long hair now um you got to understand that both Jessica and Joel have this really spiral curl hair. It's really tightly curled hair. And, um, so that's great for Jessica because she just wears her hair long and curly. But Joel, when he was 16 or so, he had this long hair and it was curly. And honestly, it was a horrible mess. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, it was nasty. And, um, But Joel was was a good kid, and there was another place. Here's another hint. We tried, and I I think we both did try this, not to die on every hill So with our kids. So there were times, of course, when I wished that Joel would cut his hair, but that was a place where we said, okay, this is not a hill we're going to die on with this kid. He seems to be doing okay. So I'm not going to micromanage how he looks. Now that doesn't mean that I didn't want to micromanage how he looked because we would walk into church on Sunday and I, and I would see my friends whose good opinion I longed for Mm -hmm. look at him and sort of turn up their nose. I mean, he was a mess and, um, And it would make me so angry. Now, I want you to get this. It didn't make me angry at them. It made me angry at him. Hmm. And the reason I was angry at him was because I felt like he was ruining my good reputation. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Hmm. that's the place. I'll, I'll tell you the end of the story. He was out surfing one night fairly late with, uh, with a friend and they both had this horrible hair and they came walking into my house and they said, you know, we, when we were out there surfing, we decided we wanted to get our heads shaved. I said, go get in the car. I'll pay for it. So (laughs) that, yeah, it was that kind of a thing, but see, that tells me something. What does it tell me? It tells me that what's really important to me is what other people think about my parenting. Well, why was that important? Because I came into Christianity very much with the realization that I was a loser Hmm. and that uh, I came into Christianity out of a very debauched and completely undisciplined and messed up lifestyle. And so I, I spent a lot of my kids youth trying to prove that I was a better parent than my mother. Hmm.
0: There's a lot to be said there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's resonating with a lot of people right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that required a lot from your kids.
1: Right. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, and, and again, this is a situation where my mother, I I grew up in a single-parent family, um, and my mother really worked hard to just try to put food on the table. So a lot of times she worked two jobs. Right. And, um, (laughs) And so she was gone a lot. And what that meant was my brother and I basically raised ourselves. Well, by the time I got to be about 13 or so, I asked her, I said, why are we here? And she said, I don't know, honey, maybe just to see if we can get along. And I thought, well, that's the lamest thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. <laughs> so, so we might as well eat, drink, and be merry, which I did. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of be merry in there. It was mm-hmm. mostly eat, drink um, and be an idiot. And so that I ended up before Christ saved me. I mean, had Christ not saved me when he did, I'm quite sure I would have, been, I would have died hmm. um, because of the lifestyle I was living. So when I came into Christianity, and I saw all these good church people, and I thought, oh, I've got to be as good as they are. Yeah. See, that's what really drove it. I have to be as good as these other people are so that I can prove that I'm not the loser that I always thought I was and that and and that had to do with my mom my mom of course had to work two jobs so I said okay what that means is I'm going to I'm going to you know I had to work so I worked in a Christian school so I could be with my kids all the time but I'm going to be all over them I'm going to be I'm going to be in every bit of their business all the time hmm And that was, again, to prove that I wasn't my mother. And I don't, gosh, I don't want to sound like my mother was terrible. She was not. She did the best she can with what she could, with what she had.
0: I think, for me, motherhood is such a prime place to deal with our wounds and our lies and our brokenness. And it just revealed, not that your mom was bad, a bad mom, it's revealing your motivations on why you made the choices you did and why those things became the idols they became. And it's coming to a reckoning with ourselves and saying, like you pointed out, where am I experiencing these emotions and why, why is that bothering me so bad when the principal calls about my kid? Right. Sure. I'm disappointed. Yes. Do do I want my child in trouble? No. But why is it making me feel that thing? Whether it's depression, anger, fear, worry. Yeah. Something's resonating bigger than it should. And so, to go back and say, go back even to the family of origin situation or prior to Christ or, you know, these other relationships, where am I feeling those things in other places? I mean, it makes me think of the 12-step program we went through as a small group. It's very 12-step. You're going back and you're saying, I'm feeling these things. I'm thinking these things. I'm taking these actions. Break it down for me, God. (laughs) Where am I not making you the most important thing?
1: Right. Right. And so and the other thing I want to say is, you know, is it a good thing to want your kids to uh, love Christ? Well, of course it is. Right. Of course it's a good thing to want your kids to love Christ. Of course it's a good thing to want your kids to not have um, the kind of debauched history that I've got. But see, that motivation gets all mixed up in all of these other motivations, which is my only identity comes out of how well my kids perform. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, then I'm going to, you know, first of all, I will be at the mercy of their behavior, which is never a good
0: place (laughs) to be. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I and, have four boys, so th- that lesson was taught. Yeah, really, several times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I see. I don't. I don't want my joy. Yeah. To be at the mercy of anyone else's behavior, and actually, not even my own. Mm. My joy needs to be at the mercy of Christ's perfect obedience in my place. Mm. And see, when when Jesus becomes who he should be in our lives, then idols lose their power to entice us. So when I began to understand, this is really idolatry, and I'm driving my kids insane, trying to prove that I'm really an okay person. I'm okay when they're good and i'm a complete train wreck and bad and a loser and when when they're not when that when i see that happening then i know all right who i am in christ is not being founded upon the work jesus has done but the work i think i'm doing it doing and whenever we do that we're in significant trouble mm.
0: Yes, to everything. (laughs) Praise hands all over in my closet over here. Mm. Oh, I mean, and and the continual lessons, right? So maybe you noticed that when you were working in the Christian school, or maybe you didn't at the time, and now reflecting back, you did. But how do you deal when it just keeps coming up? Like, you know, like, uh, I think, habitual sin, or like, it just, we know we are not bound by sin any longer, but sin Mm -hmm. still can pull us. And it's not like we're sin free once we are in the kingdom of God. But what do we do with that? When we find ourselves back in that place of seeking that idol Yeah, and we know we've been forgiven and we've already dealt with it. And sometimes we can start believing the lie. Oh, there it is again. So I'm not, there's no hope for me. How do you encourage that gal who just feels like she keeps going back to the same idol?
1: Yeah. So the only uh, the only way to get rid of the love of one thing is by the love of a stronger thing. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's actually a wonderful little pamphlet that was written, I think, in the 1800s called the explosive, expulsive power of a new affection, Mm -hmm. the expulsive power of a new affection written by an old dead guy named Thomas Chalmers. And basically what he says in that little pamphlet is this, that the only way you can get rid of something you really love but know you should get rid of is by being loved and loving something else more. And so when people really struggle trying to get rid of that idolatry, the idolatry of uh, wanting uh, to approve of themselves by their kids' reputation, um, that kind of thing. The only way to get rid of that is to take yourself. And I know this. This sounds like okay, the, Elise. That's really spiritual. Tell us something <laughs> practical. This is really practical, right? Remind yourself about Jesus and His perfection. That's the only thing. The only see the Bible says. First John says. We love because he first loved us. So if what I want to have in my life as being primary, as being the primary motivation of what I am and do, then the way that that has to happen is that I realize that I am loved. So when I find myself, okay, I find myself beating myself up because there my kids are being bad again and, oh, I know it's my fault because I'm too strict with them or I know it's my husband's fault because he's too lenient, whatever. Whenever I see that sort of thing happening in my life, what I need to say is I am forgiven and I'm counted completely righteous and my trying to get, my trying to feel okay about myself because of this is sin. Mm. So Lord forgive me for trying to build my own identity, for trying to be in 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 spiritual terms, in biblical terms, trying to build my own righteousness. Yeah. See, and that's what, isn't that what we've all we're all looking for? Mm-hmm. We want we want at the end of the day to sit down <laughs> You know, to crawl in bed at night and say, my, what a good girl am I. And here are all the ways I can prove it. Yeah. So I make a list in the morning and, you know, and I pray, God, let your will be done. Help me to do your will. And then I go through my day and I want to get to the end of the day. What I desire is to get to the end of the day and say, yeah, I did it. Nailed it. (laughs)
0: Right, the idol of self. uh, Mm -hmm. What is that? That is basically self-righteousness. Yeah, self-righteousness. Yeah, right. Yeah, I did it. My efforts, my achievement, my Americanism.
1: Right, (laughs) Right. my Americanism. Yeah, you know, I'm a go-getter. I'm. I. You know what? I there's not a mountain I can't climb. You know, and I yeah. mean I can I can sing that song with Maria von Trapp, you know, <laughs> just climb every mountain. That's what I'm gonna do. I can do it. Yeah. But see, that's absolutely soul destroying. Mm. Because you either end up in fear or despair. Hmm. Pride or despair. That's where you always end up. When you're living for your own righteousness, so on the days that I can lay down in in bed at night and say, yeah, nailed it, then I'm in pride, and then I look at other people, particularly my kids, and I say, why can't you get your act together? Or Mm. I say, see how good they are? Why can't those other people get their kids' act together? Mm see the, that's that's what Jesus is talking about there in Luke 18 when he says when they view themselves as righteous they thought themselves as being righteous and they looked at others with contempt so people who think about themselves as being righteous that's that that's that pharisee who goes up to the temple with a tax collector he views himself as being righteous and views others with contempt so on the days when I think I've nailed it, then that's totally how I am. Yeah.
0: And there's no community but there for that.
1: No. The judging
0: and the shaming yeah. others. Yeah.
1: And then on the other hand, on the days when everything goes wrong and I get a phone call from every single principal that my kids are all <laughs> good. And, you know. And, and, friends, I, and text friends and
0: texts from friends that oh, you've yes, messed and, up. Play and dates. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: right. Right. And all of that, and, you know, you just crawl into bed at the end of the day. And, you know, just like, please, God, make this day end. Then you're filled with despair. Mm-hmm. And it's this despair of, I've done it again. <laughs> I've had another one of these days. And honestly, I mean, I've been a Christian since 1971. So, like, what is that? 47 years? 48 years? I've been a Christian And I still have days like that. And I think, how on earth can I get up and fight my sin again tomorrow? I can only do that. The only way I can do it is by saying, I am completely forgiven. I am completely righteous. Hmm. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see all of this idolatry. He doesn't see that. What he sees is that Jesus Christ paid for all my idolatry, and not only did he pay for all of my idolatry, he also, and so, so kindly, he also lived a perfect life in my place. Jesus never worshipped an idol. He never worshipped anyone else's opinion He never worshiped the good opinion of other people, which gave him the courage to speak the truth and to do it in love and then to walk to the cross for me. Now, that's really a blessing, but the great news is that's my record before God right now. So I need to stop trying to build my own identity and just free fall. And we talk about this in the Give Them Grace book free fall into the mercy of Christ and know that he's going to take
0: care of it mm. on repeat that one <laughs> because it happens it happens so often and I think you're right either the pride or the guilt and the shame yeah. and the layers and or the blaming yeah right we can't handle we, we've we've we need it so badly for our kids to make us look good or to look like we're doing a good job. So we can't handle it for ourselves. So it must be somebody else's fault. It's the teacher's right. fault. It's the friend's parent's fault. It's not my kid's fault. It's not my fault because I cannot handle layering that on top of me because my identity is in my efforts.
1: Well, right. And the reason that you can't handle a guilt or being able to honestly and openly say, I'm, I, I'm really pretty bad at this. <laughs> yeah. The reason that you can't say it is because you, you, you're, you're not really resting mm-hmm. in the only righteousness that you have, mm-hmm. which is the righteousness of Christ. and And that's where, you know, getting back to, taking yourself back, Over and over and over again, taking yourself back to the fact that you are forgiven and you are completely righteous, taking yourself back there all the time. So every time you find yourself feeling uh, guilty or and especially feeling proud, whenever you find yourself in that situation, then you say, Lord Jesus Here I am again, and you're showing me how much I need your help. So please help me. Please help me remember who I am. Please help me remember what you've done. And help me please to love these people and not use them for my own identity.
0: Okay. We're going to do it, y'all. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, actually, you're not. We're not. We're not going to do it. But we're going to make that choice instead of the other choices. We're going to yeah. let God uproot that, redirect our gaze. Yeah. Re- yeah. I think I did a "No Other God" study once by Kelly uh-huh. Mintner Yeah, and that was very revealing to kind of process through this. If, if you're still listening, you're like, "What are my idols?" That's one Bible study. But also, Lisa is going to be. Doing a conference yes. and it's yes. going to be live streamed, and you can get a license for that. And I'm going to give all the details uh, at the end of the show, beginning of the show, somewhere in the show, and so they can find you there. There's also, I think you've written like a billion books. How many books? <laughs> no. A couple thousand. A couple thousand. No, a lot no, of a books. Yeah, yeah, a couple <laughs> dozen. A couple thousand. Is what I. A couple <laughs> dozen, and uh, you can find all those anywhere books are sold and follow along with the podcast where we're online. What's your website? Just put it here and I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Okay. So it's Elise com is my website. I'm also on Facebook and on Twitter at on Twitter. I think I'm at Elise Fitz F I T Z
0: super fun. Yeah, Thank you for encouraging us today you. with the truth you. and your wisdom and experience and perspective and, and also just sharing the harder things and not shying away mm-hmm. from those. So we appreciate that. And well, I hope you have a wonderful you day.
1: You too.
0: All right. Bye. 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 Okay. We did it. The first episode of the don't mom alone podcast. Whew. I can breathe deeply now. Thank you all for going on this journey with me. Thank you for trusting me. Uh, Thank you for the five years of the god Center Mom podcast, and I am so excited for what is to come next with this site and all that we can do with it. Uh, Please go check that out at DontMomAlone.com forward slash join. We still have the podcast clubs, and y'all, that's all the same. Uh, You can see that there. And then we have this new Not Alone community that I hope you at least go check out. Uh, And definitely, if you are stirred by what Elise said about Idols of the Heart and all that she was saying about who Christ is and who we are in him. Definitely go check out what she's going to be doing uh, in October at don'tmomalone.com forward slash idols. And you could get that license and listen as your small group, or you could have it be a women's event at your church. Uh, She is so amazing as you just heard. All right. Thank you all for trusting me. I am praying that you are just really remembering what she said about the truth of who you are in Him and finding your identity in Christ. All right, have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was gonna leave a helper, a comforter to be with us, God in us. Moms, that is super power. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.